0: Well, good morning. I am glad you are back with us this week. Maybe this is your first week. You're not back, you're here for the first time. Well, you've actually caught us in the middle of a series that we're doing for our church where we're talking about what it looks like for us to enter into a new season in the life of our church here at The Orchard. You see, last week, we spent some time talking about our mission and our vision as a church, specifically going into this new season. And uh, it's not really a new vision. Uh, Maybe this is your first time watching. Watching, but you're familiar with who we are at the Orchard? Maybe you're not. But this vision we talked about last week isn't a new vision. Really, it's a doubling down on our founding pastor, Pastor Eddie's original vision for our church. And that is to be an orchard of churches that bears the fruit of changed lives. Uh, that's where we get our name from. That's our desire. That's where we want to go. That's our vision. But last week, we also saw that beyond that, To have this vision really flesh itself out, we have to have a greater vision, a vision that goes beyond this, a vision that Isaiah saw uh, and is recorded in his book, Isaiah chapter six. And that's a vision of the glory of God the lostness of our neighbors and the hope that they can only find in Jesus. So if this is your first week, after we get done this morning, I'd encourage you to go back and watch last week's message or if you have been watching and just missed that one to go back because that'll kind of fill you in on where we are today. But specifically, what this vision looks like for us moving forward into this new season in our life as a church is a, is a burning desire to impact the lostness of 500,000, a half million people Men, women, and children here in rural north central Florida currently living apart from a saving relationship with Jesus. And what we said is this that over the next five years, we're going to do our absolute best and everything that we can to impact just 1% of those 500,000. Over the next five years, we want to reach 5,000 people with the good news of Jesus. And this is huge. To to do that is going to be a big challenge, like that number 5,000, it's a big number for Jacksonville or Orlando, but it's massive when you think about Jasper and Cross City and and Bell, like 5,000 is huge. And in order to do that, it's going to take all of us identifying and embracing God's specific call on our lives to join him in his mission. We said last week that God has a specific call on your life using your personality, your gift, your relationships and your opportunities to join him in his mission of impacting this lostness. And can I say... I have been so encouraged since last Sunday to hear the calls, to get the text, to listen to the stories of men and women who heard the message and have spent time since then seeking God's face to figure out their calling so that they can embrace it. The story of someone who's read Isaiah 6 every day praying, God, show me what you have for me. The story of someone saying it was just a couple of years ago that I was far from God and lost, but now I feel like God's calling me to impact the lost of others. Those are so incredible and so encouraging. I mean, it's going to take those stories and more. It's going to take all of us in Lake City, Live Oak, Ocala. It's going to take you. It's going to take all of us to really impact those 5,000 people. And actually, it's probably going to take more than us. It's probably going to take more than Lake City, Live Oak, Ocala, our online uh, folks, our, our people in, in Mayo and in, in Stark. It's going to take more than that. Moving forward into this new season, we're going to have to continue to launch new locations. We believe that these new locations and new places are going to help reach new people, and we're not backing down off of that. We want to continue to start these new locations of the orchard as we move forward. We're gonna to continue to partner with more family churches in different communities to impact the lostness there. And maybe you're unfamiliar with what I mean when I say family church and location. Well, as a multi-site church here at The Orchard, we have locations that make up one church we call The Orchard. We have one leadership, we share one budget. We really are one church, but we have also partnered with other autonomous churches, specifically The Journey in Mayo and LifeSpring Spring in Stark to work with them And offer them everything that we offer to our locations, but because they're an autonomous church with their leadership, their budgets, their buildings, they choose when and where to partner with us to contextualize for the sake of the mission in their community. So moving forward, we want to embrace that. We want to look for more churches that we can partner with to come alongside of to reach people who were lost and apart from Jesus. And beyond that, We're going to have to continue to look for new ways to build new partnerships to reach new people however we can. Maybe that's not with a church. Maybe that's not a new location. Maybe that's just with someone who wants to start a a, a Bible study or a small group. Maybe that's someone who has an outreach ministry. Maybe that's someone who's moving the needle of needs in their community. Whatever it is, we're going to check it out because we're going to be willing to work together to reach these new people because working together is the only way we're going to be able. Able to move forward and impact this lostness, it's going to take more than us. It's going to take a family. And the good news is we have one. At the Orchard, we have this Orchard family of churches that we can work together with, where we know and believe that we can do more together to impact the lostness of rural North Central Florida than we ever could alone. And listen, that's just not a new idea or a new strategy from any of us. I believe that idea of doing more together for the sake of the mission is a biblical principle. I think that's something that we see all over the text of scripture. And this morning, I wanna take you to one of those places in scripture where we see this played out. I wanna show you where we see the power of radical cooperation at work and what it means for those around us. So if you got your Bibles this morning, maybe on your phone, or if you're watching on your computer in a separate tab, or maybe your hard copy, I would invite you to turn with me this morning to the gospel of Mark. We're gonna look in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus is entering a very popular time in his ministry where crowds are coming to hear him and see him. And Mark jumps us into the middle of that here in Mark chapter 2 verse 1. We read this. It says, When he, Jesus, entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. And seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, by the way, time out. I love that. These religious leaders are thinking these things. Jesus knows it and addresses them publicly. He said to them, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to a paralytic, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Like I said, absolutely incredible. But there's a few particular things I want you to see out of this possibly familiar story that I think will show you where we're going as a church and what it means for us to cooperate together. The first thing I want you to see uh, is this, and it may be kind of obvious, but I still think it's important to say, is that people wanted to get to Jesus. If you go back in Mark chapter one, you see that Jesus did a lot of amazing things. He performed healings. He taught with authority and power. He drove out demons, and all of these led to an increase of his popularity. Well, when he came to Capernaum, which was kind of his base of operations there around the Galilee area, he went to his home and, and people heard he was there and they wanted to be with him and listen to him and see him and, and talk with him. And and so they crowded all around that home, so much so that you couldn't even get in. It says they were lined up through the doorways. Now, I think it's important for us to remember this, guys, that that Jesus is magnetic, that Jesus has always and still is drawing people to himself. He himself is gonna say later on that when he's lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And and here's the thing, he's doing that still today. Jesus is still drawing people to himself. It's kind of like what Gandhi said, who was not a believer. Gandhi says, I I like your Jesus. It's your Christians I can't stand. And and maybe that's the problem, right? maybe most people's problem with Christianity isn't Jesus, it's us. And that's just a devastating thought to think that there are people out there, not only that we're not helping come to faith in Christ, but that you and I are a positive obstacle that is keeping them from Christ. Guys, that just breaks my heart to think that that could be and and probably is true. But we're going to talk about that more next week for today. I just want you to see People wanted to get to Jesus. But the second thing this paralytic couldn't get to Jesus on his own. Why? Because he was paralyzed. I think when we see people struggle with disabilities today, there's an awareness that there's things you and I take for granted uh, that are a struggle for them. Rewind 2,000 years. You look at this paralyzed man. He may have heard about Jesus. He may have seen Jesus from afar. He heard reports of his healings. He heard reports that he drove out demons. He wanted to get to him, but he couldn't. He didn't have the means. He didn't have the power to get to Jesus in and of himself. And I think that picture is a great way for us to understand lostness. Just like this paralyzed man couldn't get to Jesus on his own, so those who are separated from Jesus by their sin and are trapped in their lostness, they can't get to Jesus on their own but the Bible goes further than to say we are paralyzed by our sin. The Bible very clearly says that all of those who are separated from Christ, apart from a saving relationship with him, it says that we are spiritually dead in our sins and that there is nothing, no matter how much we try or how much we want, that we have in and of ourselves that enables us to get to Jesus. We are separated from Jesus in our lostness and sin, nothing we can do to get to him. But the third thing that I want you to see is that there's four guys who cooperate together to get this man to Jesus. They cooperate together for the sake of the mission. And you know, one of my favorite thing about these guys is we don't have a clue who they were. If you go back and look there in verse three, they are introduced as they. And it says that they were carrying him to Jesus and he was carried by them. We have no idea who they were. We don't know where they came from. We don't even know for sure their relationship to this paralyzed man. We don't know their names. We only know what they did. And there's a thought, right? What could we do as a church? What could we do as Christians if we didn't care who got the credit for it? What if we didn't care who was promoted and puffed up and and was seen as the hero? What could we accomplish if it didn't matter that people didn't know our names? And if I can be specific for a moment, I mean, I think that's the point of our family churches here at The Orchard. It's not about building an orchard kingdom. It's not about having our name on buildings or church signs. It's all about the fruit, not the name on the trees. Remember, that's what Pastor Eddie said. If you plant a tree, you get the fruit that a tree produces. But if you plant an orchard, you get the fruit that an orchard produces. It's all about the fruit. I could care less whose name is on that tree. But even working together, these guys still had obstacles to overcome. They were working together for the sake of their friend, for the sake of the mission. They didn't care who got the credit, but it was still hard. I love what I heard a preacher say preaching through this text. He said, these guys couldn't get in the front door. They couldn't get in the back door. They couldn't get in the side door or even find a window. So they went through the roof. They decided that nothing was going to stop them, that they were going to find a way to get this paralyzed man to Jesus. And man, there's a lesson there for us. Because I know last week, as I said and said again this week, that we want to reach 5,000 people over the next five years, that if you're being really honest with yourself, you're thinking, can we really do that? Like, like is that possible? That like, just seems so far beyond our grasp and so far beyond our reach. Is it really possible? And can I be honest? Sometimes I've caught myself saying, man, what have we gotten ourselves into? That here's what I know, and I think these four guys show us. If we really want to do something, we'll make a way. And if we don't, we'll find an excuse. I really believe that when we see the glory of God, the lostness of our neighbor, and the hope found only in Jesus, if we really want to reach 5,000 people, we will find a way to do it. Then the next thing at at the end of the story that I want you to see is this, is that when this paralyzed man was healed, right? He He's lowered through the roof, which by the way, can you imagine that scene? Here Jesus is preaching, teaching, people asking him questions, crowded in, barely breathed, the room hot with humidity, and all of a sudden the roof starts shaking, a hole appears, and here comes a paralyzed man laying in bed, dropping through the ceiling. Incredible, right? And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The religious leaders think to themselves, well, how can he do that? That's blasphemy. Jesus says, just so you know that I can forgive sins. Hey, guy there on the bed, get up, take your bed, walk out of here. The guy gets up, walks out, and when he does it gets everybody's attention. Go back to the text and look in verse nine. It says, immediately he got up, took the mat and went out in front of everyone. Everyone in the house, everyone in town. I'm sure everyone in the region heard about this. And as a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I I I love that, that when this community heard about this paralyzed man's life being changed by Jesus. They were astounding and gave glory to God. Here's why I think that's important for us. See, reaching 5,000 people, it's not going to be easy. I wish I could tell you it would be. It's not. But here's what I think. I think reaching the first 1,000 is going to be the hardest part of all. You know, we're gonna be working together. We're gonna find new family churches to join with us and to come alongside of. We're gonna have new locations that we start and we're gonna work so hard and it's gonna feel like we're not making any ground. It's gonna be hard to get to that first thousand. But I believe when we do, that next thousand will be easier, and the next, and the next, and the next. Because here's the thing I believe, is that as we embrace our calling, as we grow our family, that others will see what God is doing here, and they will come to join. I really believe that. Just like here in Mark chapter 2, when people saw what Jesus had done, they wanted to be a part and began to give God the glory. I believe when God begins to do something in our midst here in our family of churches that people around are going to see it. People in their lostness are going to come because they're curious. Other churches are going to be hungry to get on board. The first 1,000 is going to be hard. But when we embrace our calling, when we grow our family, I do really believe that others are going to come and join in on what Jesus is doing here at the orchard. And I think there's one more thing, just one more thing, and it's a big thing. Matter of fact, it may be the thing because I think it is the thing that sets these four friends apart from the religious leaders. See, these four friends, we don't know their names, just what we did. The one thing we know about them is that they were radically outward focused. They were for others. All the religious leaders did in this story was question and criticize. Here they were in the room at the feet of Jesus and all they could think about was, can he do this? Should he do this? Who does he think he is? You could tell they were threatened. They were looking inward and that they were defending themselves. But these four guys... These four anonymous men working together for the good of their neighbor and the sake of the mission, these four guys were focused so much on helping their friend meet Jesus that nothing else mattered. And here's the thing. If we truly want to impact lostness in our area, if we really are serious about reaching our neighbor, we have to be for others. And this shouldn't be a foreign concept in churches. But if we're being honest, all too often it is. What I've seen, what I've experienced as I look out upon the landscape of churches around the country, but even specifically here in our 14 counties, what breaks my heart is how many of our churches have become all about us. They're about our preferences, what music I like, what programs make me feel good. They're about, do we have a men's program? Do we have a women's program? Do we have a senior adults program? Are we doing enough for our people? They're about our buildings. Are they big enough? Are they pretty enough? Are they new enough? It's about our comfort. Did I feel good this Sunday? Family, this can't continue and this can't begin at the orchard. It just can't. No church makes the decision to start dying. But over time, if we're not careful, that temptation to look in and make it all about us is always there. But to reach our communities and the people in them who are far from Jesus, guys, it can't be all about us. It just can't. We have to learn how to be radically for others and I feel like that maybe here I should camp out and clarify just a little bit. When I mean for others, I don't just mean for their salvation. Now, obviously, their salvation is our main goal and it is our desire for all of our neighbors that are trapped in their lostness. But being for them has to go beyond that, has to be more than that. Far too often, Christians and churches around the world and in our area, we have been guilty of seeing people as numbers that we want to attain more than we see them as people to be loved. We see them as a goal. We see them as an object. We see them as a tool. We see them as a prize, but we don't see them as people. Yes, the most loving thing we can do, please don't misunderstand me, the most loving thing we can do for anyone is to help them find the hope that we have in Jesus. But just like in our efforts to be pro-life, we have to be pro-life from the womb to the tomb, we must be for others in more ways than just getting them to sign their name on the bottom of a get out of hell free card. We've got to learn how to be for others in every area of our lives. And this is something I learned from Pastor Eddie. Early on, when I wasn't even here at the orchard and I was pastoring another church, Pastor Eddie taught me the importance of being for others and loving them without hooks. Far too often, we are guilty at churches of having hooks in our love. We serve you, but we expect you show up. We'll minister to you, but we expect that you contribute. But what would it look like if we as a church decided to be for others with no hooks, no matter what? Being for others means that we have to learn how to die to ourselves daily. We have to die to our wants, to our preferences, and our desires. We truly have to learn how to put the good of others above our own good. This may look like choosing to spend our free time pouring into, loving on, and serving others instead of pursuing our own leisure activities, This may look like learning how to live below your means so that you have margin to practice generosity when God opens doors for you to do that in the lives of others. This looks like walking in humility and not craving the attention and approval of others in the form of likes, reposts, retweets, pats on the back, but instead lifting others up and pushing them into the spotlight. It's hard. Honestly, if you want to be radically for others, it may be the hardest thing that you will ever attempt to do. It is a daily war. And the only hope that you or I have of winning this war is Jesus himself. And that's because he's already won. What do I mean by that? Well, see, it's only when we understand just how radically Jesus has been, is now, and will be for us as we move into the future, that we are freed to be radically for those he has put into our lives. What I'm saying is this, you are called to be for others and you can be because Jesus is for you. We don't have to be for ourselves anymore. We don't have to stick up for ourselves, push ourselves, promote ourselves, defend ourselves. On the cross, Jesus once and for all provided for us all that we have ever needed, displayed his full and unceasing love, gifted us his righteous position before the Father, and there is nothing we can ever do to change that. Jesus has been for us in a way that we could never be for ourselves ourselves. When we turn from our sins, when we put our trust in him, we have in him all that we ever need. And when we get that, it changes everything. So now when we hear Jesus calling us to join him in his mission, when we seek to embrace that calling, it's not just to win people to Jesus, but it is to love people like Jesus. They are not a prize to be won or a trophy to be had, but they are men and women to be loved, to love them just as he's loved us. And as we do that, as we love those trapped in lostness in our homes, our schools, our workplaces, our ball fields, when we love others like Jesus has loved us, we will watch him change their lives and free them from that lostness. It's not about getting them to sign a card to repeat a memorized prayer, but it's about pointing them to the one that can raise them from spiritual death to spiritual life. And we do that best by being for them. So church, if we're going to truly impact the lostness in our area, it has to start with being for others. Let's do that. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to to be here and to to share uh, with my friends who are watching at home or on the road today, God. And I pray that even through this screen, God, that your word would be clear, that your spirit would be powerful and that you would create in their hearts a burning conviction to be for others, not because they feel guilted into it, but because they see the cross clearly and understand how much you have been for them. God, would, would, that, would that fact that you are for us, radically, unchangeably, for us, free us to be for others. And as we are for them and love them like you've loved us, that you change them, that you save them, that you raise them to spiritual life. God, we wanna thank you for what you're gonna do and give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you have questions, if you need somebody to talk to, if you wanna kind of figure out more what it looks like to embrace that calling or be for others, we'd love for you to talk with us right now. Let us know, send us a message, drop a comment. We're here for you.